This is the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. John. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee, and he found Philip, and he said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. And Philip found Nathanael, and he said to him, we have found him about whom Moses and the law and all the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph, from Nazareth. And Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. When Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him, he said of him, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. And Nathanael asked him, where did you get to know me? And Jesus answered, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathanael replied, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And Jesus answered, do you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than these. And then he said to him, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God descending and ascending upon the son of man. This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. You may be seated. I feel like every time I take my face mask off in public, I'm making this big unveiling of what you're missing under there. But um, I, for those of you I don't know, and there's some of you I know, and several of you I don't, my name is Jonathan Good. I'm on the team here at Trinity Northside, and today um, I get to I get to stand up here and deliver the message, and so I hope that is okay. And if it's not, um, you can take that up with the trip after the. Uh, after the sermon, no. In, in all seriousness, one of the things I wanted to say is that as I was, as I was processing the preaching passage for today, I just there's lots of areas in here that we're going to sort of explore. That um, you know, to to some extent, I wish I could sit down and have a cup of coffee with you, and that you could kind of throw back at me a little bit, and that we could have a conversation about some of this stuff because I think some of this would would really be served well for that. So if for whatever reason there's something in here today that you want to talk about further, I just want to make myself available. You can send me an email, and uh, my email address is my first name, Jonathan, at atltrinity.org, and I would love to be able to process some of this stuff with you if for whatever reason uh, you would like to. So that's, uh, I just want to make that offer, because you have to sit and listen to me. I just want you to know I would be happy to listen to you. So that's, uh, that's a two-way street. So uh, when, I was, when I was rolling through this passage, I really, I really felt uh, impressed to sort of look at what does this say about Christ himself, and then what does it say for us? What does it say about Christ, and what does it say for us? And I'm sure there's a lot of ways you could take this, but I found four things that I really want to really focus on, and um, I hope that for you they will, be, they will be profitable as well. And if you have your Bibles or if you have the app on your phone or whatever and you can avoid Facebook, you should, uh, you should open the app or open your Bible to the passage, which is John 1, 43 to 51, because we're going to kind of float around on it. So the first, the first verse that I want to really uh, focus in on in this passage is... John 1:49 says Nathaniel answered him Rabbi 
you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. You are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. So what does this say about Christ? He is, in fact, the one whom Moses and the prophets wrote about. He is the one who was foretold. There was this expectation of this messianic savior and Jesus Christ is him. He was the one that if, if you'd grown up in the culture that these men had grown up in, you would have been looking for this person and this person was here and he did not look the way that they thought he was going to look. And as we see in a minute, he certainly did not come from the place they thought that he was going to come from, at least in their own understanding. But this was the promised person. This was the person that their hope was hanging on. This is a huge thing and for us, Especially, you know, especially for those of you who might be like me, you grew up in the church, you grew up around things of faith, you've lived around the things of faith for a long time. I say the phrase, Jesus is the son of God, the king of Israel, and you don't blink because it's familiar, it's normal. We've heard it our whole life. And one of the painful parts of familiar things is they can become less powerful over time. If we aren't careful, we cannot appreciate what we're actually saying when we say this phrase. This is not just true in things of faith. This is true for my three-year-old. My three-year-old gets a new toy. For one day, it's the greatest thing on earth. The next day, he can't find it. This is for some of us in our employment. One day, we're the most excited. This is the dream job. The next day, we're like, did I ever like this? Isn't this true for our relationships? Don't marriages collapse all the time because people who used to be in love stop being in love. They stop focusing on how special this person and this relationship really is. If we aren't careful, things that are familiar can lose their significance if we don't work to keep it before us. If we don't work, especially in this world that will weigh us down and distract us and call us to look at things that aren't worth our attention. But subconsciously over time, we lose, we lose the fact that Christ really is the son of God. He really is the king of Israel and he really is our savior. He really is our hope. He really is the, the promised one who came up, came through on his promise. We lose the beauty and the power in that but we must work to remember the significance of Jesus. We must work. You show up here probably be, because you know that, or you're watching online probably because you know that, that Christianity and that your faith is a practice. It's something you have to pour yourself into. And for a lot of us, if we just aren't careful, we will maybe pull back. And a pandemic is a great reason to pull back. For many of us, the practices that we had in place a year ago to try to keep ourselves focused on who Christ is and the strength and the power of who he is and what that means for us, those practices have fallen away over the last year. And maybe in some ways we've kind of grown a little stale. Maybe one of the things we can, we can try to do in response to reading this passage is to reawaken our spirit, to reimagine what it would look like to live cherishing Christ today. Jesus is the son of God, the king of Israel. Let's look at another verse. 
John 1, 46. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. What does this say about this passage? It says he came from a place with little to no prestige. Certainly not what you'd expect for the king of Israel. It's about like saying, hey, have you met Wanda from, from, from Winder? Wouldn't exactly, ooh, Wanda from Winder. I've heard, wow. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, I don't, if you're from Winder, please forgive me. But like, that's, that's the kind of same thing. I come from a small town too. What good can come from Dublin, Georgia? I mean, like, that's the same kind of thing. These, these are not the places supposed to produce the significant people. And Jesus comes from one of these little podunk towns. And he reveals himself in this place that probably a lot of people didn't expect. It wasn't prestigious. It was off the beaten path. But this means that maybe we need to evaluate, too, the places in which we look for Jesus. Maybe we need to ask questions about, are there certain holy places for us that seem like the place that we will find him, but maybe other places that maybe we don't immediately think about? Is it something interesting that he refers to so, he so frequently talks about in his own words that you can find him among the poor, the prisoner, the widow, the vulnerable, the people that you and I often would not, see to find him around. And frankly, if you're at a church like ours in a part of the city like ours, the people that you and I may not even never spend time with, may not never overlap with. It's very possible if you are like I am to not ever see that many poor people because we live comfortable lives and we can avoid them. And I'm not saying it's intentional. I'm just saying that there's something in the power of overlapping with someone who is struggling somehow in that presence, you can experience the love of Christ in a profound and deep way. We often isolate our relationship with Christ to holy places and holy places are good, they're valuable. They can draw us into a place of wonder and reverence that we need in our faith. But the great thing about following Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit is that every place can be made holy. You can find Christ in the midst of any place you go, if you look. And I think one of the challenges we see here is perhaps some people weren't looking. Perhaps that's why Wanda from Winder, Jesus from Nazareth, isn't so exciting, but who knows what the soul of Wanda from Winder is saying. And certainly, people apparently didn't understand exactly what's being said with Jesus from Nazareth. He can be found in unexpected places. The third point I wanna make is that he knows who he calls. Listen to this, Nathaniel said to him, how do you know me? Jesus answered him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Jesus knows his people, but before you read that line and you think he just knew where he was in place, I wanna reread something to you that he knew him as an Israelite in whom there was no deceit. He knew this man, he knew, he knew, his, he knew his soul. <laughs> he knew who he was talking to. He knew who he was interacting with and Frankly, he knows you too. 
He knows the parts of you that you don't want him to know. He knows the parts of you that you want him to know. He knows all of you. He knows you. He knows you. And that means that you can make yourself fully known to him. You can engage in a prayer life that is vibrant and free, not formulaic and without any sort of honesty in it. Formulas are great. We use formulas here every Sunday, in fact. But sometimes I think that especially in our personal prayer life, it would be richer if we would incorporate layers of honesty to tell the Lord what you're really thinking in those moments because he knows. He knows your soul and he's, he's invited you by the power of the Holy Spirit to talk to him whenever you absolutely want to. And this is what I'm gonna say. I, I can understand on this third point how prayer and uh, serving people and uh, Christ is the son of God and the king of Israel, these things can sound so normal. There's nothing for those of us who've spent a lot of time in the church world that sounds profound here. The challenge is that so many of us who know these things don't practice them. That's the challenge. This passage reiterates so much of sort of Christianity 101, communicates so much of what so many of us have put our hope and our faith and our trust in, yet it also communicates so many areas that I'm convicted to think, man, I don't always knock it out of the park on that. I'm not always utilizing that tool as well as I could be. I'm not always appreciating the opportunity that I have to pray everywhere I am and in any, any sort of mood or place I am. But he knows you. He knew Nathaniel. knows you. We can approach the Lord in prayer fully transparently. We can approach him open and honest and know that he will receive us. The final point. Inspires his followers by pointing them to future hope. And this may be for our time right now one of the, one of the most specifically um, uh, 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 appropriate things for us to remember. That Christ said to him, after he was so th thrilled that he just knew who he, who, he, who he was, Christ responded to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. When he wanted to inspire Nathaniel toward the end, he pointed to a future hope. He pointed to something beyond himself beyond the, the present circumstances that he could look to for future hope. What does this mean for us? It means that when you, when you see a world where a pandemic is reigning supreme, you can hold out future hope. It means that when you see things happening in our country that may scare you, and may make you wonder what's happened to this place that you once knew or you've never quite seen it this way, you can hold out future hope. It reminds us, as you read through scripture further, that so much of this is about looking to a time to come. It's about the fact that this world is not in fact our home. 
And while we can stand and we should stand up against things that are, that are wrong in our society, while we should seek to be peacemakers in the world that we call home, we cannot let ourselves fall into the trap of thinking that this is everything. We cannot lose sight of our hope because when we lose sight of our hope, it kills our soul and it destroys our ability to love other people well. It takes us and draws us to a place of fear and insecurity that, that traps us from actually witnessing to the beauty and wonder of Jesus Christ in the world. When you are someone who knows that your hope is not here and you have your eyes on that which is to come, you can walk through these moments with greater confidence, the kind of confidence you will need to love your neighbor as yourself. It is so important that we not lose sight of Christ pointing Nathaniel to a future hope because he points us to that future hope as well. As we prepare to close, I wanna read, I wanna read a passage to you. And as we see, because let me, let, me, let, me let me just put this in some context. There will be headlines made this week. I don't know what they'll be, neither do you. Things will change this week. And if the last year has taught us anything, it might change dramatically. I don't know. But we, as believers in Jesus Christ, if we are gonna follow him, we need to follow him for real. We need to keep our eyes on that which he tells us to keep our eyes on. And yes, he tells us to care for this world. I spend a lot of my time trying to get people to care for this world, but this world is not our home. We are pilgrims passing through and we, we must be pilgrims well. One of the things we can implement is a, is a renewed hope in that which is to come. These words from Christ seem to, seem to speak so poignantly for our time that we find ourselves in right now. Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered, each to his own home and will leave me alone. We know that that's pointing to his crucifixion. But then he points to this broader promise that lasts even to us today. I have said these things to you, that in me, you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. I don't care what the headline is this week. I don't care how things change. Jesus Christ is the son of God, the king of Israel. Let's pray. Lord, help us to remember who you are Help us to remember the team we're on. Help us to hold fast to the hope that you will fulfill. Help us to remember that no matter the challenges of our present moment, our future hope will be fulfilled because this ends with us in your presence. Lord, you are our savior. 
May we have total confidence in that as we navigate this challenging and painful world that we find ourselves in. It's in Jesus' name, amen.